What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Lockdown NHL podcast. Joe DiBiase from Lockdown Sabres here. Mike DiStefano, as always, joining me from Lockdown Leafs. Mike, how are you doing on this uh, Tuesday morning? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Doing really good. The it's not snowing outside. The weather seems to be taking a bit of an uptick after I mean, a very cold week last one. Last week, it's. It, I'm still seeing snow on the ground out here, but it is beginning to melt a little bit. So I, obviously, it will be back. Let me let me actually ask you a question. I, I'm not sure. I need your opinion. I, I want to be talked out of this. Men's jacket with fur on the hood. What's your thoughts? No guy. No, absolutely no. No, no I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. Uh, like you part got of one, me want, Part of me, part of me wants to think that's a good idea, but I, at the same time, I do kind of want to be talked out of it. So unless, I've, unless you live like in the Arctic, yeah, in the Arctic, <laughs> up in like Nunavut or in the in the territories. I mean, at times, Alaska, Alaska, at maybe. T- I mean, at times, Buffalo does kind of feel like the Arctic, but that's true. That is yeah, true. true. Um, well, let's get into. There's a lot of juicy stuff going on in the league right now. We usually spend most of the time talking about the Eastern Conference. Uh, we try to focus in on that on Tuesdays. There's one headline um, that David Haynes from the Athletic in Calgary wrote about on Johnny Goudreau potentially being made available. So we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later on. But there is plenty of stuff going on in the Eastern Conference right now. And actually, while we're on pieces the Athletic has wrote, let's just start right off with uh, with the, the piece that J- Justin Bourne uh, wrote from the Athletic on, um, I think it was on uh, over the weekend, maybe it was Friday. And basically on the Lightning and the Leafs, two teams that are struggling right now uh, out the gate. I still think Tampa, it, it's still... They're not really struggling as much as people think because they've only played 17 games. So when people see Tampa, oh, they're... they're uh, four points out of a playoff spot, but yeah, they've played way fewer games than everybody else. So I do think that they're not struggling quite as much as everybody thinks. Toronto is definitely struggling. They've lost four in a row. They've given up 77 goals on the season, which is um, the second most in the Eastern conference uh, to Detroit. Mike Babcock's being talked about being fired, but this piece by Justin Bourne was more about like, are these two teams too skilled? And my gut, my, my instinct when when actually you sent me the link to this story because you wanted you wanted me to bring it up, and I before I even read it, I'm like, okay, this is going to be like, to me, like my my instinct was this is going to be nonsense. Like, there's no way you can be too skilled. But Bourne does make some good points in there, and like I do, I am left wondering a little bit if there is some of that going on with Tampa and Toronto right now. Is are they actually too skilled? And for the most part, I still think no. But some of the stuff that they're missing like some of those role players in your bottom six, the depth on the blue line, that's more so true, I think, in Toronto right now. Maybe you are losing some of that because you are so heavy on high-end talent. Definitely. like I, I thought he brought up some really good points in this article, and I thought he did a really good job kind of connecting it to the NBA, saying imagine yeah. a team full of three-point shooters. You would never have anybody to rebound. So what about those nights when these shooters are kind of having an off night and they're not out there and uh, they're just not – shooting yep. you know like they, there's no one there to rebound for you so you're going to kind of lose uh on the defensive side of the floor and that's kind of when he relates it back to hockey he relates it back to the Leafs and lightning and how it's kind of like that they're not playing enough defense they don't have enough guys who are going in and, and uh, going into the gritty areas and they're just relying too much on skill and not enough on the little things that kind of work in hockey uh, to make to make your team, you know, be well rounded. Right. And I, 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 I think it's a really interesting article, and it definitely brings up a, a really good point. Like, do the Leafs and and Tampa? I mean, it's it's 
funny because everybody says that hockey Tampa is was built for season success, in season right. success, regular season success, and then they got swept in the playoffs. Right. So, and why is that? Is that because of? I mean, not solely because they're too skilled, but you know, if they just got outworked at the end of the day by the uh, by the uh, Columbus oh, the Blue, Blue Jackets. And, you know, you have to wonder, is is this part of it because they were just too focused on skill? And then when the skill is not there for some yeah. nights and they go through lulls like they did in Columbus, they don't have anything else to fall back on. The, Whereas, the, thing, yeah, the thing I was going to mention real quick is a lot of this conversation, a lot of what you're talking about right now, reminds me of kind of what the conversation was maybe, what, five, six years ago with the Washington Capitals. Like when they got bounced by Montreal in the playoffs – when Yaroslav Halak had that insanely good playoff series, the Capitals for a couple of years went through a period of time where they did try to change things up. They tried to get more defensive. They were playing lockdown defense, and their coaches uh, were doing that with Adam Oates and Dale Hunter. Like They changed their style of play, and I think they kind of got lost for a while because they were trying to be something that they were not. And Right now I'm looking at the Leafs and I'm looking at the Lightning. And if I was a fan of that team right now, if I was covering one of those teams right now, I would be maybe echoing patience. Like, yeah, I know that it hasn't worked yet, but keep going. Because once the Capitals decided, hey, we're going to open things back up again um, with Barry Trotz and like we're going we're gonna to play to our skill, not completely, like we're not going to play wide open like they used to, but a lot more offensive than they did for a few years there boom, they win a Stanley Cup and they're right back winning playoff series almost every single year. And I think if I'm Tampa or if I'm Toronto, I think I want to keep going the way I'm going and just just I want to see this thing through. And especially with, with Tampa, I do think Toronto has – I like the NBA point for them more so. Like they remind me, if, if I were going to make an NBA comparison, like the Lightning to me might be the Golden State Warriors. They're not going to be dominant like Golden State, but that's how their team is built. Like I, right. to me, the way their t- the roster is built, it's flawless. They have an elite goalie in Vasilevsky. I think they have a good. Uh, I think their defense is pretty good. I like Hedman, McDonough, Shattenkirk's a good role playing defenseman that they have now. Their forward group is super talented, and I feel like the Leafs are trying to. They they look at Tampa and say, look how skilled they are. We need to outscore them, and they're like the Houston Rockets. I think in this scenario where they are just surrounding themselves with three-point shooters and they're just going to try and outscore you. So I think it's a little bit different between the two teams. Like I think if I were Tampa, I'd be more patient than Toronto. But at the end of the day, I, I, I have to believe, like just for my own sanity, I have to believe that it's not possible to be too skilled in a scenario like this, if you know what I mean. It's 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 crazy to say that you know there's too much skill, but I think in hockey it takes a balance and that's not sure. what we're finding with the Maple Leafs specifically. I think uh, you look at their lineup. You have you know fourth line. Usually you you, you have your bottom six who can mm-hmm. do a good job killing penalties. They can be shut down um, and kind of get into the gritty areas and play a heavy style game. That's not really what you get out of the Maple Leafs. You have guys like Nick Patan who is kind of miscast in a fourth line role, but they have nobody else to play. How are they playing? Whatever reason. How are they playing Spezza right now? Are they doing the same thing kind of with him? Or are they not playing yeah. at all? No, I mean, well, they, they're forced to play him now just because they have so many injuries. So they're forced to play right. him. But before, yeah, he was kind of filtering in and out of the lineup. But when he was in the lineup, he was he was being played as a fourth line center. So it's it's I you have to think that the team's gonna get better. 
But based on the roster construction, I'm not sure. And this is a conversation that we're having now uh, in Toronto and, and, and I'm having on my podcast. We're just mm-hmm. not exactly sure if, if Mike Babcock is the guy going forward because based on the style of hockey that he's played in the past with, with Anaheim and with Detroit, the roster construction that's being put forward by management doesn't seem to fit what he's trying to do. So he's trying to implement systems that require a little bit more grit, a little bit more uh, hustle, and he just doesn't have the players to to get it done. Right. I remember last week when we were, it was maybe two weeks ago, when we both kind of brought up how it doesn't seem like there's a lot of headlines. There's not a lot of juicy storylines in the Eastern Conference this season. I think Boy, did that ever change quick. Yeah, I was going to say, like, (laughs) Toronto especially, but even Tampa to to a lesser extent uh, being included in this, like those two teams not being just like powerhouses and and struggling to even get in a playoff spot early on in the season here. Like, I think that has to be the storyline of the Eastern conference. And like I said, I think Toronto to a greater extent because they've played five more games than Tampa. They only have two more points. Babcock might be on the hot seat right now. And, like I, I know personally here in Buffalo, like when he became available and it was kind of a race to try to hire Mike Babcock, there was even a report at one point that the Sabres were going to hire Mike Babcock that ended up uh, proven to be tr- yep. to be false at the time. Like that was an exciting thing for Sabre fans. And I have to imagine that when Toronto got him, Leaf fans were super excited about that. And now fast forward a couple of years and this guy might be out and I'm not, you're closer to the situation than I am. It just feels like to me that their end is coming, especially when you've got Sheldon Keefe, who, in my mind, I wanted to say, he was one of the guys I wanted the Sabres to take a hard look at this past offseason. I mean, if he's right there waiting in the wings, I mean, that just seems like a move that makes sense. For sure. He's definitely the incumbent. Uh, that's no surprise. I think everybody knows that. Babcock came out yesterday and even said um, something that I think was kind of a, a shot towards Sheldon Keefe. Uh, you you sp- we talked off air, I guess, about how he was talking about himself in third person, yes, uh, saying, yes. you know, I'm always going to bet on Mike Babcock. <laughs> but he also said something a little earlier in that quote that uh, didn't really make the headlines, but it was a bit of a longer quote. And he's mentioned, he said, uh, you know, if I was a young a young man with a young family, I would never coach in Toronto, you know, but I'm stable. My family's older now, and uh, I'm able to, to withstand this. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a bit of a shot to Sheldon Keefe saying, or to the the organization saying, look, this is a young guy who's not quite established in this league. The media can eat him apart. Like they can just tear mm-hmm. him, tear him a new one uh, if if they don't get it going. So the grass isn't always greener on on the other side. I think was was kind of the point that he was making there. Uh, but honestly, there's a lot of chatter, especially after that disgusting performance against Pittsburgh over the weekend. Um, and, you know, the, the fire Mike Babcock tweets are, are coming in hot, hot and yeah. heavy. I, I don't know if they're going to do it um, just because, you know, he, he is such a, a well-established coach. And I, I truly believe that the organization thinks that they're so skilled that they can turn it around. Yeah. But I, I I mean, like I said, we're I mean, twenty-two should... games into this thing. They've they if they're gonna turn it around, it's gotta be now. Like if if they're still out of a playoff position come the new yeah. year, I don't know how much longer of a leash that Babcock's gonna have. I really think it's like I, I look at their roster and like if I were thinking about like if hey, if if something has to be changed here, if fans want to change, if the organization wants to change, like at this point, I think I would go with coaching over that roster. Again, like I would be echoing patience and say Listen, like Tyson Berry, I think is a good defenseman. I know he's been struggling a lot this season, but like as a top pair guy in Colorado, I liked his game. Jake well, Muzzin, I like. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, here's the, the the problem that a lot of fans are have had with Babcock over the years is that he's so hard headed, and he right. doesn't make change unless he wants to make change. And sometimes it just lasts a little too long. So we've to discuss this numerous times on on Locked On Leafs. Mm-hmm. The fact that he has this goalie rotation where he plays the first goalie on the first night and he plays backup on the second night of back to backs. It doesn't matter who they're playing, what the situation is. That's his thing. It's also, it's been 22 games, 22 games. This team is under 500, and just now he's making a change to the defensive pairings. It took him a quarter of the season to finally do something, and that's only after they got embarrassed by Pittsburgh the other night. So luckily, you know, and Tyson Berry, uh, just because you brought up Berry, and that's kind of what yep. sparked this this uh, thing in my mind. But, you know, Barry, a big reason why he's been struggling is because I think he's being miscast a little bit. His bread and butter was uh, being a power play quarterback, and he's he hasn't been able to right. do that at least on, on PP one, and that's been a big issue. And the power play is really struggling for Toronto. Like they're twenty fifth or twenty second in the league, um, which is not what you expect when you look at you know you look at the names on that power play: Tavares, Marner, Nylander, uh, Morgan Riley, Matthews. Like there is mm-hmm. a lot of star power. There's no need for them to be operating uh, at such a low rate that they are. So why not go ahead and make a change? Let's move Tyson Berry up to that that spot where we've mm-hmm. seen him excel before. Like he he's got to get woken up. There's no way that this guy, who's a, a fifty to sixty point defenseman year in and year out, should be struggling the way that he is. And so you know, yesterday at practice we finally saw a line juggle. So Barry's been moved off the of the second pairing defenseman and actually moved down to the third. He's gonna be paired up with Dermot. But what I kinda like about that is the fact that on that second pairing, he, he was he was paired with Muzzin, and there are quote unquote shutdown pairing. That is not how you should right. be deploying uh, Tyson Barry as a shutdown pair defenseman. So I kind of like, although he's moved down technically to the third line, uh, the third pairing, I do think that he's going to be able to, uh, it's going to put a little bit of a jolt in him and he'll be able to maybe excel playing against some lesser opponents as opposed to playing against, you know, the Kucherovs or the Malkins or, you know, the Pasternak's, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I over the next few games, if they, they're going to keep these pairings the way they are, I'll be excited to see uh, if Barry does improve because he has to. Like the, right. the, yeah. the whole team has to, or else, yeah, Babcock is certainly might be on his way out of, out of town. Yeah, it's super interesting to me right now. If you're looking for a lot more in-depth stuff on the Leafs, uh, be sure to check out Mike's podcast at Locked On uh, or the Locked On Leafs podcast. We'll take a timeout here, and then we'll come back with a couple of teams that are dealing with an injury bug in the Eastern Conference, and also in Ottawa right now. John Gabriel Petjoe is on a tear right now. I know because I have him on a on one of my fantasy teams. Um, so I know that better than anybody. So we'll talk a little bit about Ottawa and what's going on with Peugeot right now as well. And then this, this Johnny Goudreau story that, uh, was put out in the athletic this morning and like, would Calgary actually consider trading him? We'll talk about that as well on the lockdown NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase and Mike DiStefano. All right. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. Let's start here with uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. The guy's on a tear. So like, l- listen to this, my fantasy team in this one hockey, in this fantasy hockey league that I'm in. Almost everybody on my team had a down week last week, but I still won because I had three players in particular. I had Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, who had a hat trick. I had Connor McDavid, who had two hat tricks. And then I have Jack Eichel, who had a four goal game. So 
basically those three players were my entire team for a week. <laughs> McDavid and Eichel, you generally expect that uh, out of those guys. Pajot has really come on uh, for Ottawa, now playing in a top-line role. His minutes are up around 19 minutes a night. Like, he's become a top-line player. And, like, I, I wondered that. Like, that, that's kind of what, like, for fantasy purposes, for instance, when I came into the year, what I kind of looked at was, like, all right, if in late in round, like, late in rounds, rather than take, like, you know, the Leafs third-line guys, like, uh, like, a, like, a, like an Alex Kerfoot or a Johansson or, like, or in Tampa, like, one of their third-line guys, I'm going to go for one of these lesser teams, top-line guys. They'll get more minutes. They'll get more power play time. So, you know, like the Kyle Palmieri's of the world in New Jersey. And Pajot was one of those guys that took a shot on in Ottawa, and he really has had a top-line role uh, so far this season. I, I don't know, like, what – Ottawa plans on doing with him because I really don't know what Ottawa plans on doing with anybody. It seems like anybody that's on their team right now that ends up playing well, uh, especially a veteran guy that they, they'll just end up trading him because of the, 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 their status and their rebuild. And Pajot's a free agent at the end of the year. So I, I'm left thinking about him at only a $3.1 million cap hit as a really good trade commodity for another team going forward. Yeah, certainly. Um, the, the only thing that I question here, and it's funny, actually, that I talked about this, this exact thing on uh, the Lockdown Lease podcast today, mm-hmm. and me and my co-host, we were kind of split. He was on Team Trade. I was on Team Resign. And, you know, okay. the thing for Ottawa, I think, is that, A, it's kind of twofold for me. They've had a lot of turnover over the last few years, a lot of turnover. And Pajot has been through it. And he's been with this team for a long time. He's been with them uh, since he was 20 years old. He made his NHL debut uh, back in 2012. So he's been a senator for a long time. Yep. I think this is a breakout year. Is is he going to be this? Like he's currently on pace for a 40-goal season. Right. He's not a 40-goal scorer. That's that's not who Peugeot is. And he's not going to be that for the rest of his career. That's for certain. Right. Uh, the other thing, if you're talking about a trade chip, I'm not sold that he's going to bring in as much as you think because last year, remember Ryan Dezingle, kind of the similar, he was having Good. a career yep. year and he was always kind of, uh, it was more of like a third liner who just had a career year because he was playing on a crap team like Ottawa and was given top line minutes. And of course, if you're playing somebody 18, 19 minutes a game, they're going to produce a little bit for you. So he was overproducing. And I think that's what we're seeing happening here with Pajot. Uh, so I think teams might be a little weary because when Dezingo ended up going to Columbus, he was so bad. He was being scratched, healthy scratched by mm-hmm. the Blue Jackets uh, at points in the season and in the playoffs. So I-, I feel like teams will be a little weary about that, saying that, sure, you know, he's producing right now, but if he ends up on, on a solid team, you know, he- he's pinpointed as a third-line center on most teams, right. I would think. You know, that's kind of what his skill set has been his whole career. Um, so he's not going to end up playing 17, 18 minutes a game. Instead, that'll come down to like 14, 15, and he'll get a lot more you know, shorthanded, uh, time shorthanded as opposed to getting power play time. So I just, I think that he will, he's himself will be most successful by staying in Ottawa. And Mm -hmm. I feel like Ottawa has turned a corner. They're not as much of a joke as they were a season ago or two years ago. And I think signing one of your stalwarts, that's a great locker room guy. He's a fan favorite. That would go a long way to, yeah. You know, as this team goes through a bit of a rebuild here. 
I, I do think, but there's also an argument to be made. Hey, you've got to sign somebody. Like you exactly. have to, you have to meet the cap floor. And looking at it right now, for next year, they have forty one million dollars in cap space. So yeah, you do have to sign somebody at some point. And you've only got Bobby Ryan, Colin White, um, and Nikita Zaitsev. And Thomas Shabbat, those are what five players? What I could count there, four players that you have under contract past this year that is not an entry level contract. So, yeah, like you sign somebody. And this guy, I mean, he's only 27. So, even though I think there could be an argument to be made that they could trade him, um, I like I like what you're saying there. Like, if I'm Ottawa, I'm not trading him unless I get a really good price. And I think the Dezingle comparison is a good one. Like, and he didn't get traded for a lot for Columbus. So if that's all that's out there for him, then I would be, I think I'd be on board with you. I'd rather sign him uh, if I'm Ottawa than, uh, than let him go. Yeah. Cause I think Dezingle got like a second round pick back. Right. Um, so if, if you're Ottawa and you're getting offered a second rounder, I, I think I'd rather keep yeah. Pajot than get a second round pick. Like Ottawa has a bunch of picks. Like they are, I'm pretty sure they have five picks in the first two rounds this year and next year. So I think I think they're pretty set when it comes to draft picks. They got to yeah. start hitting on these guys, obviously. But I think uh, for a team that that is going through a rebuild, wants to turn things around, they still have to have a bit of a veteran presence. And mm-hmm. uh, Pajot is is just that. If they want to uh, add some salary, by the way, I just saw this uh, come across on Twitter. Um, Corey Schneider has cleared waivers for the New Jersey Devils, so he's going to be sent down to the AHL. What a fall for him. I mean, once upon a time traded for the ninth overall pick, and he was good. Like I thought he was legitimately good. He had a over a 920 save percentage almost every year of his career. Actually, yeah, every year of his career going uh, up until 2016, his age 29 season. And since then, he's just been to be brutally honest, like he's been terrible uh, ever since then. So uh, Corey Schneider clears wa- waivers for the Devils. Some other stuff that's going on in the conference right now, like there's a lot of injuries. The Sabres have been hit with the injury bug maybe more than anybody. They've got, I think, five total injuries now at forward. Marcus Johansson is one. Kyle Poso now is out indefinitely with another concussion. It's like his fifth concussion. Um, and they're actually to a point where they're going to be dressing John Gilmore, a defenseman, at forward tonight um, <laughs> because that's how thin they are up front. And then you've got like Carolina's dealing with injuries. I know Eric Halla is out for a while now with a knee injury, I think. And he's had a really good start to the season. You've obviously got Crosby going down in Pittsburgh. It just seems like there's a lot of injuries right now in the, uh, in the Eastern conference. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's, there's injuries everywhere. Even, you know, Montreal, uh, Druin and Paul Byron, they're right. out for a while. The Leafs, their injury ravish Marner, Kerfoot, Moore, um, you know, everywhere. But I think, the Penguins specifically have gone through so much injuries this year. At times, they played without Crosby. They played with uh, Crosby's out for the next six weeks, so a yep. very long extended period of time. Malkin missed a month. Galchenyuk was out. Latang's been out for a bit. They missed Dumoulin. Brian Rust was out. Hornquist, Jared McCann, Nick Bukestad. Uh, who else? I think somebody else as well. Uh, yeah. oh, starting uh, goaltender. Yes, right. Uh, Murray time. Yes. Yes. Matt Murray. So yeah. like the Penguins, I, I, I cannot believe that despite all the injuries that they've had this season, that they're currently in a wild card spot. Yeah. I, I it, it boggles my mind too. And like the, the plus 17 goal differential, like they're actually like, you look at their possession numbers um, and you look at like their, like a lot of their advanced met- metrics. Like I'm actually looking at their Corsi number right now. I know that's not, that, that's not the best number, but like they're, kind of dominant right now, especially when they have their top six out on the ice. Um, 
like they they kind of just keep going. Like Malkin's out, they're fine. Crosby's out. Like they won uh, their last game. Like like they seem to just keep chugging along. And you would think that with the injuries they've had, that could have been a spot. Like as thinking about the Sabers for this, or you thinking about the Leafs for this, like that could have been a wild card spot. Uh, that's that's very much up for grabs. But the way they're playing, I'm not really thinking about them uh, a whole lot. The uh, the uh, while you you did mention Druin, I want to ask you quickly on uh, the the hit that he took from Ovechkin. Did you think that that was clean? Did you think that deserved anything? Because I know a lot of people were complaining about him leaving his feet uh, on the hit, but I, I, it could have been called a penalty for sure in game, but these pe- calling for a suspension, I think would have been a little much for that hit. Yeah, no, I was okay with the hit. I thought that it was, it was just a, that's, that's hockey, man. Like it's a physical sport. What do you, and it's Ovechkin. He's always been known as being a, a physical hard hitting player. So if right. you're going to be skating around with your, with your head down, like he, and you're, you know, you got the puck. Well, look out, <laughs> like Ovechkin. Right. He's not gonna shy away from making a a, a nice, you know, clean check. And that's right. what I thought it was. It, it's unfortunate that Druin got hurt on the play, which obviously I think you know the aftermath was probably brought on by that seeing Druin down on the ice, taken off, and now we're hearing that he he has to undergo wrist surgery. He's gonna be out for the next eight weeks, and that's gonna certainly hinder Montreal's chances of of keeping a, a playoff yeah. spot. Like they're losing two pieces of of their team that are crucial, like Druin and even Paul Byron. Like he at times is is a, a top six player for them. So right. uh, it's they're going to be an interesting team going forward. Druin was having a heck of a year too, which is so unfortunate that that he's hurt now. I think he was yep. up to like nearly a point per game, which is something that we were all waiting on for Druin because he came out of the draft with so much talent. And then it just hasn't come yet. And I thought this year he had turned a corner. And it's unfortunate that an injury is going to give him a bit of a setback. Hopefully he can come back and uh, they can kind of withstand it. And what's good about for for Montreal is that I think – I think we talked about this before. They don't have any true superstars, which means they're they're, they're kind of deep. They have enough depth. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I don't think too differently about them, even though Druin's one of their better players. I don't think too differently about them with him leaving the lineup. Not only that, I think too also the fact that they have a bunch of young guys that are playing really well. Right. Like Nick Suzuki is playing phenomenally this year in his rookie season. Uh, you know, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, he's injured, but he's going to come back. So, he'll, they, you know, that's going to give him a bit of a boost. So uh, it's going to be... I don't think that they're they're obviously not better off, and I think that they will suffer a little bit. But when you got Carey Price, you know, uh, yeah. they they're going to be in every single game. Yeah, I agree with that. I, and by the way, I do think that uh, like the Garnet Hathaway spitting incident from last night uh, that, like, that, that deserves to be suspended way more than Ovechkin just leaving his feet on a hit. Like that was that that I think that should carry an automatic suspension. To be honest, if you spit at a player. I think that's like automatic. I don't know what's a fair number for this two games. Like, but you need something, I think, because that's just absolutely ridiculous to me. I don't know if I go that far. Say it's suspension worthy. I think I definitely fine, maybe at least a hundred percent a fine. I I don't know about suspension, but definitely a fine. Yeah. Let's uh, let's take another time out here. We'll quickly wrap about the, uh, the Johnny Goudreau story that was written about in the athletic uh, from this morning. When we come back on the locked on NHL podcast with Jody Biasi from locked on Sabres and Mike DiStefano from locked on Leafs. All right. Welcome back to the locked on NHL podcast, Tuesday edition. We usually spend uh, our Tuesdays talking mostly about the Eastern conference, talk a little bit about the West and maybe, maybe there's some teams in the East that we want to toss out here um, that could make a deal like this if he's made available. 
but we have an article in the athletic from earlier today on Johnny Boudreau potentially being available for trade, which is just a crazy thought to me. Like I did not wake up thinking that I would even for a second think about Johnny, Johnny Goudreau being, uh, being traded, but that's what Darren Haynes is writing about. Um, covers the flames for the athletic. The, the, te- the headline of the title, is it time for the flames to consider trading Johnny Goudreau? You've also got Darren Dreger today uh, from TSN on radio talking about how Calgary wants to make a trade. They need to make a trade, but they don't have the cap space to make a trade so that if they were going to do it, it would be, uh, they would need to move out one of their higher priced guys. I still think, despite all of that, that they will not trade Johnny, Johnny Goudreau. He is their best player. He's also on one of the best contracts in hockey. The guy had 99 points last year, and he's only got a $6.75 million cap hit for the next three years. So my in my mind, like you're not going to move that Lucic contract, I know. But like there's other contracts I think you would try to move, obviously, before Goudreau. But let's just for the sake of conversation say that if he was available, like what what does the the price even begin to look like for him? And I would have to imagine several teams in the East. I know like Saber fans are already talking about this on Twitter would definitely be in play. Like thirty one other teams or thirty other teams would be uh, calling Calgary if that guy was available. I think. Oh, 100%. He's he's an elite talent, one of the most uh, gifted offensive players in the game today. Uh, for me, I I think this starts. You know, hundred starts with a first round pick, and then obviously plus mm-hmm. plus plus. They're gonna want a goaltender. I don't think they have their goalie of the future. Uh, yeah. You know, Dave Riddick, not quite the fir- the the number one goalie that I think they thought that they may have had last year when he was a little inconsistent, but went on heaters yeah. at times. I just I don't see him as a number one. Uh, so if they can try and get themselves a, a a solid goalie prospect, or maybe even a young goaltender or an established goaltender. Uh, involved with this package um then i think this team would be a lot more uh, i feel better about that going forward that's you you know who i really thought about when i saw this first like of course i thought about the sabers because i'm doing the podcast this morning and fans are talking about it but the team i thought about the most actually for this idea was washington that's because me too yeah, Holpe's got one year left on his contract. He's got a big cap hit, so like you would need. They both have cap trouble, so you would need the salaries to kind of match up. Holpe's got six point one million dollars left, and you would think that at some point, like maybe even it is after this year, that they're going to want to turn to Ilya Samsonov, who is still thought of as one of the better young goalies in all of hockey right now. Like I think about this, like for them, I think about Tampa. Like they had Bishop and Vasilevsky, and you kind of knew it was a matter of time before Vasilevsky was going to take over that net, even though Bishop had played really well for them. And I wonder, like, yeah, I agree with you. Like it would definitely cost a first round pick, probably something else. But like, I wonder, like, would Holt be a first round pick and like one of their better prospects? Is that enough to get Johnny Goudreau? Like, I think you might come close at that point. The only way that that becomes possible, though, is if Holtby. Um, like he's a UFA at the end of the year. So there's no way that that deal they, doesn't they get paid the unless they have a contract in place That's right. uh, yep. to get it done. So that would be the only way to make that happen. And if that is the case, then I don't know if you would have to give up that much because if you're trading for a number one goaltender who's 30 years old, so you could probably get at least another five, six, seven years out of, uh, mm-hmm. then I, I mean, although Goudreau is an unreal talent, goaltender is, is certainly a more premier position. Uh, so if you're getting a number one goalie, I don't know if they'd have to give up Holpe a first and a top level prospect. You could probably get away with 
Holpe, and you know maybe maybe you'd have to to add a first round pick because of the age discrepancy here. But mm-hmm. personally, actually, I wasn't even thinking Holpe. I was actually thinking that. Yeah, like Samsonov, they they're gonna yeah. want the younger goaltender. Um, so well, yeah, if I'm, if I'm Calgary, that's absolutely who I'm gunning for, for sure. And then if you're, uh, you know, if you're or uh, Washington, you're gonna have to move on from some salary, uh, and that's kind of where it this trade gets a little tricky. So yeah. I guess if if you're thinking Holpe, I guess that's kind of a trade off in terms of salary. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that would make a little bit more sense. But certainly that would be quite the boost for for this team. Could you imagine having Ovechkin and Goudreau on the same team? <laughs> like you're going to score ten goals they're, a game. They're they would be they would they're already close. But like I, I think of offensively, Tampa and Toronto as juggernauts. We spent a lot of time talking about them earlier, and I think Tampa's close to that. I think I would put them in terms of offensive talent, maybe over Tampa and Toronto. Uh, maybe that's overreacting, but like Kuznetsov and Ovechkin and Backstrom and Goudreau and Oshi and Verano's having a great season. Like if that's your top six, like holy cow, it's hard. To, it's going to be hard to outscore them. What about the Islanders? Um, you think that would not, be a decent fit? Like, I haven't they thought about them at all, but yeah, well, like. I don't know what they're giving back. Like they don't really have that goaltender. I think Calgary would want, like, are they giving them Varlamov? I don't even like Var- Varlamov's contract four years, 5 million per. Um, I don't know if that's their answer in that. Maybe I'm sure. I think that might be a better solution than what Calgary has already, but I'd be questioning whether my biggest question about the Islanders would be, do they have enough that would interest Calgary? Because I think if you're trading a player of that magnitude, you're going to want, three AP like three A plus types of pieces, like a top end mm-hmm. prospect, a good player, and a goalie. Like I I don't know what, what they'd be looking for, but I'm not sure the Islanders have it. Well from I'm I'm thinking in terms of goalie, like they do have Ilya Sorokin, uh who's right, currently him. over over in the KHL, but his contract expires this year and he can come over to the NHL next season. So in the KHL, you look at his numbers over the last three years, mm-hmm. uh actually last five years so <laughs> last five right. years in the KHL a 106 goals against 953 save percentage a 161 goals against a 929 159 and a 931 a 116 and a 940 and so far this year a 145 and a 939 save percentage and last year in the playoffs a 119 goals against and a 947 save percentage so this wow. is a player who is just tearing it up in the KHL uh if they can convince him to come to to uh, to come over next year, and that's kind of where it, it gets a little dicey for Calgary because if he decides to stay in the KHL, then that's uh, yeah. that's going to be a tough uh, a tough I, trade to make. But he is an elite goaltender um, that yep. is you know a possibility. Then you know, throw in a first round pick, and you know they have some some good young uh, defensemen, up and coming defensemen, or or some forwards that they can also add in there but i'm just trying to think of teams yeah. who have you know a, a couple of of good young goaltenders that they could kind of offload to bring in a talent like Goudreau. that's really i think that's a good thought to where you should be thinking like even when i first was thinking about like what would the sabers give up i wasn't even thinking about goaltender um but they they have uka pekalukan in a second round pick who best name ho- yeah hockey news had him ranked as either the top goalie prospect in the nhl or the second ranked um, so he's right up there too. And the Islanders, by the way, I don't mind them as much now because I'm looking and they're actually one of three teams. I'm sure they wouldn't be, they wouldn't take all the salary, but 
the Islanders are one of three teams right now that could take Goudreau's contract and fit it without having to give something significant back, really. Um, the Senators and the Blue Jackets are also included in that. So, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting if it happens. It would still kind of blow my mind if it happens. Um, and I think Calgary would be out of their minds if that's the player that they're looking to move, if they uh, if they think they need to make a big trade. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Follow this, the show account at LockedOnNHL. Follow me on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. And follow Mike on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Check out the Lockdown Leafs podcast with Mike. Check out the Lockdown Sabres podcast with myself. Just recorded an episode earlier today. I know Mike did as well. So that's going to do it for us. And we will talk to you next Tuesday. I'll speak with you on Friday. This has been the Lockdown NHL podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.